Ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags-to-riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school, and with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over 1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this, if you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. Welcome to Ditch Digger CEO, brother. Appreciate you being here. Gary, it's an absolute pleasure. And Chris, uh, thanks for having me. I, I have to admit, I am absolutely humbled. You know, I watch, uh, I watch the podcast on occasion, and I can't believe I'm being added to the list of people that you've hosted so far. So <laughs> I mean, it, it means a lot to me. You're you're awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate that. You're you'll uh, you're going to be one of the people care care to listen to the most because uh, I know a little bit about your story. But uh, I, I I can go back to uh, the first time I met you. I think it was a, at a I think it was a it was an event. Maybe you were just joining YPO, or was it a Chris Krause event? Um, mutual friends uh, party. Which one was it that we first met? I think it was with Chris because um, Chris and I joined YPO about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a little bit, we were in EO forum together yes. and he, uh, he launched uh, a couple months before I did. So I bet, I bet it was with Chris. Yeah. I, I sponsored. Him, you know, I miss I him spon- being on the West coast. Yeah, I know. I sponsored Chris and uh, you know, I met him at an event where EO and YPOers are invited to. And I, I had the blessing to sit next to him and we hardly could listen to the speaker because we just were talking to each other's ear off the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, by the end of the the, the the event, I'm like, man, you got to be a YPO. You're 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 an overachiever, dude. You're going to do some great things. And yeah. his business is a little business, not quite big enough to be a YPO at the time. And now he'd be a giant YPO, right? He really would. Yeah, Easy. it was amazing to be in forum with him, Gary, and watch him grow that business. I mean, literally every month we would go there for forum, and you know he'd have more space and more people, and it was awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah. So and I've been blessed that I, I, you know, I'm not supposed to do this, but I was in, a, I was a uh, forum uh, chair at the time, and I, I recruited him to be in a new, a new forum that I was starting. And uh, I've been blessed to be in a forum with him ever since. It's been so much fun to, to you know, be his buddy and, and watch, watch the way his mind thinks and, uh, and how his business has blossomed to do so many cool things for so many people, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so Chuck, let's, let, this is about you and, uh, and, you know, we'll come up with mutual friends here and there are probably stories because we've got so many, but, uh, uh, and many of our, our, our former podcasts of ours. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, your, your story is a great one and I want you to tell it, um, starting from, starting from kind of, you know, we, we love to hear, you know, what, 
what started a person's mind to think they, they, they could have the gall, uh, you know, or the guts or whatever you want to call it, right? To, to get into something on their own, right? What, what, you know, what, what was your mindset as a kid and, and as a young adult and all that? So if you could tell, first tell us about your business, where you're at today, and then we want you to go into where kind of where this, where the, this uh, you know, where, where Chuck Hall's uh, work ethic came from and all that. Sure. So I'm a founder and CEO of Charles Hall Construction, um, a construction company that's focused nationally, but we try to stay in the upper Midwest, the Southeast and the Mid-Atlantic. And we've been in and out of the Northeast over our 23-year history. Um, we primarily focus on senior living, which is really where my passion is. Uh, in just the last year, Gary, I've added uh, a partner and president of the business, Kevin McKaylee. Uh, Kevin joined us last year as a part of the transition plan I've been working on the past well, almost eight years now. And five years ago, uh, a really good friend of mine, Chris Gay, founded Vitality Senior Living. And uh, well, three and a half years ago, I had a chance to buy out his founding partner. Uh, so now uh, I'm chairman of Vitality. Chris is our CEO and Blanding Beatty our, uh, is our chief investment officer. He's the partner there. Um, that's just been a rocket ride. It's fantastic partners. We've gone from two communities at our founding to 26 today. Whoa. And we just, we just closed our first fund in uh, back in January. And the goal is to double the business again in the next three to four years. Awesome. So you're really running, you're overseeing two businesses kind of, is that right? Yeah. I'm, uh, I am entering the phase I have dreamed about for the last literally eight to 10 years. You know, I'm now I'm leading leaders yes. and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, taking the opportunity to take all of those hard knocks and scars and, you know, pass along those gold nuggets to the leaders. So maybe they don't have to deal with those and maybe they just get a little different, a little smarter. How, how fun is that? Right. I mean, I'm oh, blessed cool. to be in a situation that's kind of similar, right. With our small businesses and it's so much fun. And it's a, to, to, to take the wisdom that you've gained and the shared experiences you've gained, right. And, and, and really mentor people that haven't seen the same experiences to make them stronger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Such a blast. Right. It is. And, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, the reward, the rewards are incredible, right. If it works, um, you know, but, but you're taking risk because yeah. sometimes it doesn't work. Um, you know, yeah, what's your feeling that? How do you, you know, how do you find how do you yeah, how do you find the right partners? I guess is what my question. How do you find those right the right partners that you know you can you can be part of their leadership growth? You know, our good friend Mike Maddock has a great saying. It's it's one of my my favorites. It's uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, and I you know I think my, I heard Mike say that maybe 15 years ago, and I've carried that ever since. And I believe firmly in that, Gary. It's, you know, Chris is a partner uh, now, a business partner, but we've been great friends for close to 20 years. Uh, he cut his teeth on the senior living operations side. I was cutting my teeth on the construction and development side of senior living. And one of my first deals was with him. And, uh, and we stayed close. We stayed friends. Our values aligned, you know, our... Um, you know, everything you could want in a good friend just were aligned through the years as we got married and our, raised our kids and that sort of thing. And uh, I was his first phone call when he went out on his own 
to oh. be his development partner, which meant the world to me, right? And then I was the first phone call to say, hey, you know, I've, I've got this opportunity that my partner wants out. Would you come in? Um, Kevin's much in the same way. I started a search uh, late, about mid-19, 2019. I was all ready to pull the trigger February of 2020 uh, with recruiters. Um, and I went through an exhaustive process of, you know, defining what's the personality type, what are the behaviors, you know, what, what are the cultural values I want to make sure aligned with our business approach and, you know, in my personal approach to life. Um, and I put it on hold, obviously, because of the pandemic. I woke up one day in May. I was done being downtrodden by the pandemic. I was done being told I couldn't do this or couldn't do that because of the pandemic. And I started the search on my own, calling friends, you know, calling vendors, subcontractors. And Kevin floated the surface and uh, he joined us in uh, July. Right. So in the middle of the pandemic, I was able to convince this gentleman, this incredible builder to come join Hall and take over the reins. Uh, it was it was a pretty cool adventure there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? Uh, that that saying, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, look at somebody's top five friends. Right. And, and yeah. you're probably going to be looking at uh, the person being the average of those top those top five friends. Yeah, right. Exactly. I always yeah. told my kids that. And everything else, but I love the way Mike says that. Right. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right. It's such yeah. a cool way to say it. And man, I, I mean, that's something I'm sure you tell your kids. I mean, and, and, and we should tell anybody that we're mentoring, right? Because it's a fact. And, and too often, you know, we settle for friends or we settle for teammates. And, uh, and, and you know, we, but, but, you know, really, there's nothing wrong with finding the most passionate people to be around you, right? Right. People that are, that are you know, that, that love what they do so much that they inspire you to be better than you'd be otherwise, right? Yep. That's what real, real leadership, in my opinion, is that, right? It's, expi it's inspiring other people to be better than they might be if you weren't alive, right? That's, right. that's, that's what's fun in life if you can do it's that. Legacy. Yeah, it's right. a legacy, legacy. right? Because yeah. they live on, kind of live on with, uh, you know, some of your shared experiences and some of your, some of your uh, statements and the way you think. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so uh, tell, me about, uh, tell me about how you were raised, Chuck, and, and uh, where and how you were raised and all that to, to become a guy that uh, has been a leader in your industry and all in, in business. So I was born and raised in Rhode Island, a little town called Barrington, blessed to attend a fantastic public school and to be in a, an amazing class uh, of people. Um, I was never a great student. Uh, I had to, it always seemed like I had to work two or three times harder than everyone else in my class just to get average grades. Um, but I've, I've been blessed. My, both my parents are still alive. Um, All right. They were both entrepreneurs uh, my whole, and still are my whole life. Um, dad's focus was anything having to do with the water, you know, there in Rhode Island. So marinas, um, moorings, docks, floats, clubhouses, that sort of thing. Uh, he was managing, building, developing or something along those lines. And mom had always been in real estate, uh, had, has had and has now her own uh, firm and, you know, dad's uh, close to 83 and mom's in, I'm not allowed to say, but, you know, she's close to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she still, they, you know, they both still dabble. Um, and they, th the biggest blessing they gave me was, you know, learning to 
reach my own goals. And by reaching my own goals, that meant, you know, their belief was their job is to make sure I'm in school, to make sure that I get my basics. But if I wanted new cleats or if I wanted a new bike or I wanted to do a trip, that was on me. And I, you know, it was up. Um, one of my favorite stories is dad and I would get in the pickup truck and on trash day, we'd drive around and we'd pick up lawnmowers. And I would take those lawnmowers and rebuild them with dad's because dad could fix anything. Um, and then I would walk around the neighborhood selling lawn mowing services. And then I'd go recruit my friends and they'd do all the lawn cutting. Um, and I pl- provided all the equipment. Um, and but awesome. dad was always there. Mom was always there. Um, with dad's marinas, we had a scuba diving business, my brother and I. Was, wow. <laughs> my brother would tell you it was our, my first corporate takeover. Jared came up with an idea called Bottoms Up. Anything to do with scuba diving, salvage, civil cleaning, that kind of thing. Um, same thing. Jared and I did the selling. Uh, we would do most of the work, but at any time in high school, we had three, four, five of our friends, including our girlfriends, working with us. Um, hey, that, that that's uh, that's a way to get to know your your girlfriends too. Yeah, underwater, <laughs> hanging out underwater. That's, that's right. awesome. Yeah. But dad was, you know, mom and dad were always there. They made sure we had the right lessons. We had the, you know. They never bought us anything new. It was, you know, we had to build it ourselves or we had to rebuild it or we had to buy something secondhand. But, you know, they always supported us in that way so that we, it was, you know, the teach a man to fish kind of thing, right? You, you, I was taught to fish early. I was taught to um, take care of myself early and uh, flash forward awesome. to. Awesome. Uh, well, let me tell, let me tell, let me tell you right there, okay? Uh, you know, you and I are, you know, we became buddies fast because we, I think we think a lot alike. I, I was not academically gifted either. Right. And, and, uh, but I, you know, I love to learn, but just not in a conventional way, I guess. I find, I find out later in life probably, but either way, um, I, I was able, you know, I, I, I mowed lawns I, and I picked up lawn, I, I mowed lawns by, I gained my lawns by doing a newspaper route. I had a newspaper route paid me $6 a week and I strived to get, you know, three, $4 a week in tips. And every, I, I would collect every two weeks and get, you know, six to $10 in tips on those lawns. So 12 plus that. So either way, wasn't big money, right? This was not big money. I don't think it was, I don't think it was minimum wage at the time, right? But I'm 10 years old to 15 years old, right? And I, so I gained these lawns to mow it, but my, my deficit was I was not good mechanically. So I, I became friends with a friend of mine that was, and I, I mowed lawns and I was using my, my customers lawnmowers first. And if they break down, I'd get them fixed somehow for them. And I'd make anywhere from four bucks to seven bucks a lawn. Anyway, but that was subcontracting. I didn't realize that what happened was I ended up getting friends of mine to mow lawns so I could do other things, right? So the subcontracting mentality you have and I have, right, that helped us grow our businesses was, yeah. was all right there, right? Those lessons yeah. were there without an education. It was just doing it, right? And then I think I talk about this. I, I got a new pot, podcast song coming out, Chuck. Wait till you hear this thing. It's it's a, a new Ditch Digger, Ditch Digger CEO song. Kind of tells my story, but it could be a story of anybody that starts. Your, it could be your story. But it's basically starting with a vision of who I was at 10 and, and my biggest money at 10 years old or you know, 10, 11, 12 years old was not the lawns and not the paper routes, but it was diving in dumpsters for aluminum cans and, and recyclable bottles. We had two big marinas by my house and on fr- and Friday nights, they would party heavy right in the summertime. On Saturdays, they'd party heavy. So Saturday mornings and Sunday were my harvest times. And I would be in the dumpsters, you know, you know harvesting cans. And, you know, I got, I got laughed at, I got, you know, kids my age saying, gross, <laughs> it's gross. Right? Yeah. It was, was kind of gross. I guess I was in the middle of maggots and all kinds of crazy things. Right. But either way, it was, it was, I made more money doing that than I did mowing lawns or, or doing newspapers. Right. And it was only two days a week. 
So either way, it's those lessons though, that, that you had and I had that, you know, I'm sure there's kids out there still do this stuff, right? But just not enough of it. I think we're, you know, society looks upon these, you know, people like that as, you know, um, something less than they should be, right? And, and again, but, but I believe those lessons are the best. And, and again, you think about your lesson there, right? How cool is that? You're fixing these mowers, you're, you're, and you're setting up kids to mow lawns for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you became a general contractor. So yeah. it's like a fish in water as a general contractor. Hell yeah, you can't do everything. You got to hire people to do some of this stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. tell, okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I had to tell you, and my, my, my new Ditch Digger song explains that a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I'm actually going to Nashville to finish it up uh, Saturday. I'm spending oh, cool. all Saturday, Saturday with the producer that's, uh, that's produced the music for the background. I wrote the song and I'm singing the song. I'm not saying it's a great song, but it's not bad, right, Chris? Right, did, you uh, Chris? Did, wait, wait, did, Chris, you're not saying anything, Chris. <laughs> is it okay or what? Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was very impressed. That Gary, Gary, uh, you must have some great producers, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's uh, anyway, it's coming. I, Chris heard the rough draft that's been that out there for the last month, and I threw it around to friends of mine to give me an opinion as I'm, as we're refining it on Saturday. But anyway, it's a lot of fun. But it's, it's a story of, 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 you know, entrepreneurship and building something in America that you can't do everywhere in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, good for you, Chris. I can't wait to hear it. Okay, yeah. excuse me. I was thinking. Yeah, so go. So, all right. Sorry about that. I'm sorry to cut you. I just had to say that that's that's a that's a great takeaway. That you know your work ethic and your parents who didn't have to make you work, they definitely could have said, "Oh, little Chuck, you know what? Uh, you just stay home and 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 you take it easy. We don't want you to go through what we've had to go through to to raise a family, right? You you know yeah. you just take it easy." Instead, they said, "You get your ass to work, Chuck, and you make some of your own money, so you understand what it means, right?" Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it was elementary and middle school were not easy. Um, I think today I probably would have been diagnosed as ADHD or, you know, something of that similar category. Um, and, you know, the benefit was I was taught, right. It's, I can make something of myself if I just got to find my path and a, a big message I passed along to my kids, you know, I, I learned early what my nose were, right. So I knew going in, that if I wasn't good at something or it wasn't coming easy or it was coming difficult, I could say no and then go find something that was easier or I was more productive or, you know, in some cases I made more money. Um, and that was a big driver with our kids too, is helping them figure out what they don't want to do or what they're not good at so that they can be more focused on what they love and what they are good at. Um, you know, another big lesson coming out of that, one of the hardest things that uh, that was a decision for me um, was leaving Rhode Island to go to school in uh, in Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati. You know, I had worked with my dad. I, I mean, I could easily say since I could walk, but I was carrying a hammer probably by the age of eight. I was leading some crews for dad by the, you know, by my early teens. Um <laughs> And dad always talked about taking over the family business. He always talked about, you know, <laughs> the oldest child, your responsibility is this and the responsibility of that. I'm his namesake. I'm the fourth. He's the third. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, a, a factor of pride in, in our, you know, um, in our simple upbringing. But it, it was pride. And to look my dad in the eye and say, look, I'm transferring from a school in Rhode Island out to Cincinnati because it, I think it... <laughs> It's a 
it paints a better picture for me. It creates better opportunities. Uh, Gary was the best thing I ever did. Uh, I joined a fraternity. I met Molly in Cincinnati, my wife now of 32 years. Um, and it gave us a great base to kick off from when I, when I graduated college with a construction management degree um, because I was on my own. You know, I was, I was out there by my, I didn't know anyone. I, I had to go out there and kind of remake myself once I got there. What, what uh, made you pick Cincinnati uh, University? I started, at, at, I started in Roger Williams College in Rhode Island in architecture. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a builder. I mean, I've, I was the kid that was kicking off at job sites. I was the kid who was stealing lumber to build his tree forts and underground forts and, you know, et cetera. Um, and uh, I started in architecture knowing I wanted to be a builder. But as I got into design, I was playing soccer at, at school and, you know, soccer and school in college or soccer and uh, architecture in school, just they don't mix. There's too much, you know, you need too much time behind the board. And they had just started a construction science program, which was essentially part of the architecture program, a part of the business program, and then some construction courses weaved in. And I went from being, you know, in high school and middle school, an average to below average student to loving, I mean, absolutely loving what I was studying. And, uh, you know, it was the science of putting buildings together. Uh-huh. And I made, I made the Dean's list, Gary, for the first time in my life, oh, in cool. my, uh, in my, it was the sophomore first semester of my sophomore year. Um, and a professor pulled me aside and he said, look, you're clearly love what you're doing. You really ought to look at some of these other schools that have a little mature, more mature program. I applied to Wisconsin, Madison, Colorado school of mines, Florida, a school in Florida and Cincinnati and I, I kid you not, Gary, the decision maker for me was dad and I were in Cincinnati. We showed up for our, my interview. We got lost in downtown Cincinnati. And this gentleman in a business suit noticed we clearly were lost. He said, hey, you look lost. Can I help you? He walked us a couple of blocks to where we needed to be. Chatted us oh, up, had a nice conversation. I got done with my interview and I said, dad, this is where I want to be. This feels like home. And awesome. uh you know, I finished my college career there. Cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and tell us about the, uh, you know, you know, you met Molly there. She says, what was, what was Molly doing there? What was, uh, her, what was her passion? Uh, Molly uh, was a paralegal for her uncle's law firm. She had graduated. She graduated from university of Rhode Island, but we had never yeah. met. I knew her younger brother. She's a couple of years older. Um <laughs> You know, so I'm the entrepreneur, right? I'm putting myself through college at Roger Williams and now Cincinnati. Um, I barely had two nickels to rub together. Here I am dating an older woman who's already graduated from college. Absolutely drop dead beautiful. I didn't think I had a chance in hell. You know, she still is, by the way. Thank you. I agree. Um, and I won her heart. I used literally my last few dollars in my bank account to buy her some roses uh, he, was, he was dating a doctor and an attorney, and I won her heart uh, with my last few dollars. And that's we awesome. Married, uh, we were married a year and a half later. That's uh, that's one of your biggest wins, dude. Uh, maybe your biggest, right? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then uh, after school, where'd you go? Uh, I took a job with Turner International in New York City, and it was really interesting. I 
I knew I really wanted to work internationally. I had taken some coursework on international studies at Cincinnati. Um, I had achieved my, oh, what are they called? in Great Britain, you have to be a certified builder. Like in, in, yep. in the UK, you have, in especially Great Britain, you have to be a certified accountant, a certified builder, a certified C surveyor, which is an estimator. Well, by the time I achieved uh, finishing school, I was a certified builder in the UK. And my goal was to go over and, and work either in the UK or Brussels. Um, but, you know, we plan and God laughs, right? It's, so yeah. we, we had accepted the job with Turner and Molly got pregnant with our, with our son, Chase. Um, and Turner said, we're going we're to put you on ice while you're, uh, until your son's born. So I worked in New York City for Turner uh, it was basically cost schedule and estimating on projects in Dubai, Singapore, Abu Dhabi, Kuwait, um, Kaohsiung. It was it was awesome. I worked with the world's best builders, Gary. I mean, it's just you name it, they were the best at what they did, and I got to learn from them. You know, early in my career. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And then and then uh, so New York was was free, but you were doing jobs all over the place, but out of New York, right? Right. Right. And and then, uh, I got I got I got tired of being a desk jockey and I threatened to leave Turner if they didn't put me on a job site. So they transferred Molly and I and now Chase down to Memphis, Tennessee. I got to be on the team that uh, built St. Jude's Hospital. So Danny Thomas's original pavilion, you know, that his his original project, we took, you know, his dream to the next level. And, uh, you know, it's you talk about taking big steps in your life. I've got an infant and Molly back in New York. I had to go out ahead and they put me right into one of the existing hospitals. So my job was punch list and finishing out the TI. Uh, so every day I'm around the administrators, the doctors, the nurses, and all these kids. And St. Jude is, you know, their last chance. It's their last hope. Um, and I would call home at night just almost in tears because I've got a baby I can't hold in New York. And here I am helping finish a project that's caring for kids that, you know, may not live to see another day. Yeah, um, that's, that's... I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how I can make a difference in the world by putting bricks and sticks together. It was a, a pretty, uh, it was a significant point in my life for sure. Yeah, you know what? Learning, learning compassion is, is it can happen all different ways, right? Whether it's somebody in your family that you've seen go through tough times, or been around people that that you know uh, are blessed to have, that feel blessed to have, uh, you know, twenty years of life or five years of life, right? I mean, um, but I can't imagine, you know, what what you you know how how you know how you had to take that and 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 how you grew from that. But it's uh, it's experience, you know, not many people are, are going to welcome, but for you. You know, your your compassion has always been there. It's been very evident just to, to talk to you and hang out with you. You you know you and Molly, um, and I'm sure some of that comes from that. You're not not you know, your upbringing sounds like it was awesome. And you have compassionate parents, but those those experiences in life like that really take it to another level, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I also have to say about my childhood, I was really blessed to have a really close relationship with my brother and sister, and I can tell you, there's no one in the world I am more competitive with than my brother. Um, we talk every, he's in Rhode Island, you know, I'm obviously here and, um, we have our scheduled call every Saturday morning and we, you know, we use the hour to an hour and a half to catch up, touch base, laugh a little, vent a little. 
Um, but I am, you know, similar with my sister. She's nine years younger, so it's a little different relationship. Um, but again, you know, I've tried to model what my parents taught me about the importance of family, you know, the importance of how uh, family can help each other. You know, we've tried to model that with our kids and, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're pretty successful there too. It's awesome. No, that's, that's what life's about. Right. And, and yeah. uh, you, know, you don't, you don't realize how important that is until really tough times come about. So, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, doing that work and that maintenance all, you know, ahead of time, like you are, is awesome because you, you know, your family better than, than a lot of people know their own family. And, yeah. you know, we can all, we can all, I, I love a scheduled call with a family member. I, I, I don't do enough of that. Um, but boy, you know what, when you think about it, uh, you know, in the end, life is short and, and why not, you know, a, yep. a scheduled call with every family member uh, that, that will listen to you or talk to you or listen to you or talk to you. Right. And there's maybe yeah. not all, but uh, that's cool. You know, I, I'm a firm believer, Gary, in life, we can write our own story. Um, you know, through EO and YPO, I had the great benefit to participate in a, uh, the Stegen program. Rand Stegen founded it. He's a YPO out of Dallas. Um, and it's a leadership program. And, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about being, you know, uh, a great person. And you learn about le- being a great leader. And in that program, this was 15 years ago now, we learned in, you know, a couple of buddies and I, we derived this notion of a life by design. And literally, Every Monday, with very few exceptions, from 8.15 to 9.15, I'm on a call with three other gentlemen for the last, you know, 14 plus years. And every week we're talking about our life by design, literally. You know, every year, each of us takes a turn and updating our our life by design. What's our five-year, 10-year, 15-year goal? What are our core values? What's our purpose? What's our vision? And we hold each other accountable to that. I love it. I try to bring that to, you know, if I'm working with a business leader, if I'm working with a good friend, or, you know, if I'm just visiting with my brother or sister, I believe very strongly we can write our own story. We just got to be willing to set the plan and be disciplined enough to work the plan. You know what? And, uh, you know, you can do some people think about this stuff. You read a book, you might do this on your own. Right. But, uh, it, it's way, way better, in my opinion, my, my humble opinion, right? It's way better when you take people, a couple of people that you care about, that care about you, and you and you go over that, maintain right. that, like you're saying, whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever it is, right? right? Because they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to question, they're going to question things that are in your blind spot. And uh, it's uh, going to be way more productive when you do what you're doing. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I like that. that write, write your own story. Yeah, I love that phrase, Gary, blind spot. You know, who but your best friends can help you can help you see that blind spot. Molly is key. You know, she is, uh, I'm lucky to have a spouse who's my best friend and willing to give me the slap in the back of the head when I need it. We all do. And I'm, I'm blessed to have four mates and this Monday morning Life by Design group who we look out for each other, right? You, that, those blind spots, if you don't, if you're not careful, they can, you know, they can ruin your life. hundred percent. I agree. I agree. That's awesome. I think that's a, a huge takeaway from this conversation that Chris is going to pick up at the end because it's uh, that's a big one. And I think, I think uh, we all do a little bit of that naturally, but, but to do it uh, in an organized, organized way, way better, way, way better. 
That's cool. Um, yeah. So, so tell us about the business growth. Like uh, we, we think about, uh, you know, your business, you got, you, well, you, you were in business at this point, you're working for somebody. When did you get this, this, uh, this notion that you could do something on your own? It was, uh, it was forced upon me. I was working uh, for someone else's company. Uh, I had been put in a position to help start an office in Chicago for somebody, a YPO, Bob Clark, who I'm blessed to have worked for. Um, and I thank him every time I see him, and that's probably once or twice a year at some YPO event, that he fired me. Um, I joined Clayco um, with an ego that could barely fit through a double wide door. I had had some great successes. I had been published in a ENR and some other, you know, trade art uh, publications. Um, and when Bob brought me on board, I, you know, looking back, Gary, my ego was horrible. I probably was not a good person to be working with. Not probably, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to make a choice, right? So I have now have uh, Chase is probably four or five, Sarah's one or two. Mm-hmm. We have a house, we've got a couple cars, you know, you got the mortgage, we're living in Clarendon Hills. And I'll never forget it. I drove home from St. Louis, you know, talking to Molly about what are we going to do? We got to sell everything. And, you know, I'm lucky that uh, I've had some great mentors in my life. And this is really where they started to show up for me. Um, We we now live in a we have a house in a community, Leland, Michigan. It's a lake community up here. And there's a lot of you know great entrepreneurs and business founders up here. And I got up here right away and sought their counsel. Molly's dad was fantastic. He had been, you know, he had had several experiences where he had been laid off or fired and he counseled me to calm down and take some time and you'd be okay. But my favorite conversation, Gary, was with Dick Gettle from Cincinnati. Uh, Dick founded Gettle Construction, big foundation company uh, out of there. And he was our, he's our neighbor on the lake here. And uh, Dick sat me down on the lawn. We're looking at the lake. It's in the evening. I think we had a, probably a cocktail in front of us. And, you know, Dick looked me in the eye and he said, look, Hall, you're either going to fucking do this or you're not. You've been talking about being an entrepreneur ever since I met you. Now is your time. And if you don't do it now, I don't want to ever, ever hear about it again. Yes, sir. (laughs) And I marched off and put the plan together and figured it out and pretty much launched from there. And that was Hall. So I I founded Charles Hall Construction from that would have been, uh, September, October of um, 98. So he basically said, you know, it, it's uh, time now to shit or grow off the pot. Exactly. Yeah. As we used to say. And, and, and we need, you know, I think we all need the nudge out of the nest, you know, however you, whatever phrase you want to use, but all of us need nudges in life. And how was it, you know, so I, I mentioned that phase at St. Jude, which is pretty critical to my career. You know, here I am many years later, sitting on the lawn with Dick Gettle, helping make another life-changing decision. Um, and I'm grateful for those mentors. And I've had many along the years. And Dick really stands out as one of being, you know, being one of the greats. So, so starting that, um, you know, did you, did you have to go out and get a raise money? Did you have a little bit of money saved? Tell us about that. <laughs> Gary, we had, we had, with this new job at Clayco, we had just bought a house. I had a couple of new cars. Um, and, uh, I think I literally had six grand in the bank cash, right? So not a whole lot of savings. We had some money. We'd always been really good savers for 401k and on the long-term stuff. 
Um, and, you know, I'm sure like you, I just started beating the bushes and I, I picked up the phone and I was on the phone all day long. Um, and I picked up my first, you know, a couple small deals here, kept the paycheck coming in. We could saved everything we made. And then it was about a year, maybe eight months in Enron was really picking up steam. Right. And they had just opened a Chicago office and a really good friend and neighbor was hired to lead the Chicago office. And we're at the playground, the kids are playing together and I'm mentioning what I'm doing and what my background is. And he said, Hey, you know, we need a construction management firm to help us with some initiatives that we're going to bring forth here in the, the Midwest. You know, why don't you interview for it? Put together a package, interviewed for it. And I get this call from Kansas City. Hey, Hall, we're coming up to interview you with the, the executive team. Well, you know, Gary, at this point, I'm in executive office suite. So it's one of the shared office suites. I have my dad has now he's working with me. He's flown in from Rhode Island. And he's helping me do these jobs and you know, this and that and get things organized. Um, I'm leveraging a couple of uh, startup subcontractor friends and we're helping each other get started. Um, Nesco. Where's your, where's your office at this time, Chuck? We were in, um, so there's a funny story. I started in the basement of the house. Three this months in, Mich in, Mich in Michigan. In Clarendon Hills, Illinois. Oh, okay, Clarendon Hills, Clarendon Hills. okay. Yeah. And, uh, and Ma, so I'm probably two or three months in. Molly shows up, walks down the basement stairs and hands me a key. And she said, we're moving you into your office tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you know, because I got little babies running around the house and they know dad's in the basement. And I'm screaming, you know, everyone be quiet because I'm on the phone. And she says, here's your office. And it was a shared office suite over in Oak Brook Terrace. Um, so anyway, Enron, sh Enron shows up in this executive office suite. And I have the entire executive office suite acting as if they are working with me or for me. My dad is there. My mom is there. My subcontractor buddies are, you know, in the various offices and we got all the plans out for this deal that we're interviewing for. I think the executive team was in the office all of five minutes. Wait, wait, like, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Did you introduce your mom and dad as uh, this is, uh, you know, by the first oh, yeah. name? Or did you say, yeah, yeah. This, this is my mom, this is my dad, this I did. is my aunt, uncle? No, you might oh, yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've always been really straightforward, calling a straight story, right, Gary? It's just like, hey, this is my team. My dad helped me get things started. My mom's been helping me administratively. And um, it just, it played, you know, it, it played really well. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, a quick side story. Dad worked for me for a while, for years. Uh, and we built a really good book of business on the East Coast. And uh, we were building a deal in New Hampshire. The investors, the client, everyone was on site. And, you know, dad was there. And what do I do when I see dad for the first time in, you know, days or weeks? I, we walk up and we give each other a big old bear hug. I don't care if it's yeah. a job site, it's a restaurant, whatever. And, you know, this entourage walks on site and I leave the entourage. I walk over and give dad a hug when I see those gentlemen to this day. So this is 15 years later. When I see the, those gentlemen, the first thing they always mention is that hug with my dad. That's awesome. That's who I am. That's yeah. You know, so my, my son, uh, he's 33, right? Austin's <clears throat> running all the businesses nowadays and he, he's an uh, amazing young leader. And, uh, yeah, you know, when I went on to be with Cheryl a year and a half ago, you know, he just, he, my board said, he's the guy, you got to give him a shot and he took it. Right. 
but and he was running a company doing great in a company that we got probably be our most valuable company 10 years from now that he was building. But bottom line is he took it, ran with it, but said, you know, the same in this area. We, if I see him, I'm always going to give him, I don't care who's in the room, what yeah. we're talking about. If I first see him, I'm always giving him a big hug and a, and a kiss, actually a kiss on the cheek too, which is, you know, he's okay with The good thing is he's, he's okay with it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and my daughter's the same way. And that's, you know, that's just who I am. And, and that's who we are. And that's who you are. But, uh, you know, that, that you only have so much time in li- on, on this planet. And if, boy, if you can't give those loved ones, you, you know, a hug when you see them, but you know, whether they're family or your friends, either way, man, you're, you're missing out part of life. Right. Well, as leaders, it's, I, I feel it's our role to live, to walk the talk. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, my talk is family is number one. So if, you know, if I'm walking the talk is one of my core values, if Sarah, my daughter calls, everybody who knows me knows I'm going to interrupt a meeting or stop a call to take her call. You know, if yep. Chase, the same with Chase and the same with Molly, um, family's family, right? So if, if yep. I believe, if, if I'm preaching to my team that family's first, I need to, I need to practice that. And, yep. and your, I don't and your do family it because knows, I need to, I do it because your, I love to. And your family, you know, is not to call you every five minutes. I mean, they call you when they need something, you know, when they're calling, there's something important they got, right? And that's, exactly. that's the same with, same with, with us. We think the same thing. That's, you're exactly right. And sometimes people think that, in, in supporting family values, you lose money in your business because, man, I just can't let that guy go home to, cheat, to, to uh, coach his kids every Thursday or Friday or, you know, three days a week. I can't. But you know what? The, the, my opinion, the culture you build by, allow, by, by promoting those things is impersonable, right? Compared to, the, compared to those people that you're on a clock, man. No, you can't go. You coach your kid after work. Coach, you know, I mean, again, those things are so important. If we can, but if, again, you, if you go home to coach your kid and you don't let it, you know, your teammates do that, boy, you sure don't look like uh, much of a leader, do you? That's right. To, to that very point, Gary, our second office was in downtown Clarendon Hills specifically so I could be closer to the kids. And one of my favorite things at that time is the kids would get out of elementary school. They could walk two blocks into downtown Clarendon Hills come visit the office. They both had jobs, taking out trash, emptying, emptying trash buckets, cleaning desks, that kind of thing. They got a little bit of a, you know, they got some, in return, they got paid. And then they'd go, Chase would go to the local bakery and buy a loaf of bread as a snack. And Sarah would go to the, you know, the candy store with her girlfriends. But I was there, right? So when the kids got out of school, they knew they could go see dad, they could earn a little bit of money and, you know, and then hang out with their friends and, or go do homework. How nice, is that, how nice is that, right? Advantages of, of uh, you know, being, you know, doing your own thing and, and being an entrepreneur are those things that you can do to customize your business, right? Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so so tell us about that. So, so, so you're so you're back, uh, you know, Clarendon Hills. When when did you go to uh, that second office? Was that uh, early two thousands or when was that? Um. That new office close to your house. We would have, uh, we probably moved to Clarendon Hills about two years into the business. Um, again, it was in the, uh, it was the basement of Pinnacle Bank <coughs> there in Clarendon Hills. Yep. Um, we ended up taking enough space. We had our team. So in, in the first two years, I think we grew to about 28 employees. And then we had another 10 or 15 Enron employees in the office with us because of this big program that we were working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think we were there in Clarendon Hills for a good 10 years until we grew, outgrew that space. Um, 
and then we grew then we moved down to Plainfield in 83 Plainfield Road in 83 um, just south of Clarendon Hills um, and then we ended up in Oak Brook or no uh, in Westmont just south of Oak Brook yeah uh, but I'll tell you now Gary we're virtual on the construction side we subleased we had we had about 14,000 square feet of office we had everyone on job sites. We had most leaders, you know, working from home because of the pandemic. And I couldn't believe it, but I got an offer from someone to sublease our entire space. And I jumped at it. You lucky dog. I, I, I'm not kidding, Gary. We, and we had it on the market for a good six months, seven months with not a single, you know, not a single look. And in walks uh, Crash Champions. They loved our space. We designed and built it ourselves. Um, and they took over the space, uh, in January and we've awesome. been virtual, uh, and I plan to be virtual for a little while longer. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think some, some businesses works great for us, some not, and, you know, we ex we're experiencing where a few of our business, it's, it's great for it. And, and some of, and many of ours, it's not right. So it's, some of it's a mixed bag, right. With, with yeah. positions that are virtual and positions that are not, but you got to figure that out for your own your own business and culture that you're you have to drive right right yeah that's exactly right and, and ultimately the uh, the corporate office will end up in Brentwood with Vitality um, you know I, my, wait, wait, where's Brentwood where Brentwood Tennessee okay Brentwood Tennessee okay yeah. so tell us about the growth of the business and how you guys measure growth and in, in your business um, growth and success how do you measure you know the, the you know, the, the, the growth in your company, whether it's, you know, people, revenues, whatever, and, you know, where, where you started, where you're, where you, where you've come and where you're going. So we, we started and I, again, this life by design concept, I worked to keep the business right around 30 million. You know, some years we were over, some years we were under for, for a bunch of years. And, you know, we focused on repeat business. I, I, my, my catch line was multiple projects over multiple regions with the same client. So we focused on the REITs. We focused on the big development clients, you know, the big corporate clients. I wanted to be the best at what we did rather than being something to everybody. Yep. Wait, wait, say, I want you to say it one more time. Multiple projects, what are you saying? Uh, we, yeah, multiple projects over multiple regions for the same client. Over multiple regions, multiple regions for the same clients. Right. Okay. Now, uh, what percentage uh, would your customers be of your business? So let's say, if you, if, how many customers would you have over that? When you're doing 30 million. So we would average um, five to six different clients over those years in, in, in any given year. Um, and they ranged, we started off with a lot of, lot of self-storage. We had several years, Gary, nationally, we did about a million square feet of self-storage. I, I can remember that. Yeah. And, and the deal was find someone who was willing to put together a prototype and then roll that prototype out across, you know, multiple projects over multiple regions. Yep. So we're building the same thing over and over. We get the lessons learned on the first one, and then we're taking the golden nuggets from the, from the next, you know, from the next deals and then just rolling that, you know, the lessons learned forward. And we did that self-storage for probably, I don't know, three, four, five years. And then I got introduced to senior living in that time frame. And I found my passion, Gary. It, it harkened back to my memories at St. Jude because I was building something where we were making a difference. 
it followed my notion of, you know, develop a, a design concept that is repeatable and then repeat that design concept on just different sites and in, in different locations. Um, and then in about my eighth year, 10th year of business, I got to start to co-invest in deals. That was another big aha. So now I'm getting to build something I'm very passionate about because it's not only what we put bricks and sticks together, but we're making a difference in other people's lives, the people that live there and the people that work there. And now I'm starting to get to co and Molly and I are starting to get to co-invest in the deals. Um, and it's like, holy cow, we're really onto something here, right? If, if I can be an investor, I can be an owner and I can get to be the builder. And then I get the residual income on the backside or on the flip. Yep. Amazing. And when did that, when did that start? I can't remember talking about that, Chuck, when you're first like really excited about that. Was that the uh, mid, like the, you know, 2005, 10 area? Something yeah, like it would have been, uh, it would have been around 2004, 2005. Um, we were just hitting our stride when the big financial crisis hit in 08. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, by working so hard to be a specialist at what we do in a particular market, we raised our fees, we got deeper, we had better penetration, market penetration with, with more clients in more regions through the financial crisis. Now, our revenue shrunk because banks weren't lending, yep. but we, we took building new projects and we took those relationships into uh, renovating existing 20, 30 year old communities. Because we had all these lessons learned about what's best for the resident, what's best for the caregivers, what's best for the investors. And then we just turned that into the existing or the existing buildings. They still had the same business premise. Mm -hmm. We could apply all that. Uh, I think at one point we were in almost all of Brookdale's buildings on the East Coast from Connecticut to, to Maine. <coughs> renovating, you know, fixing, you know, doing something like that. So, so 2008, 9, 10, you know, you got through it all because because of the niche you, just, you established over a few year right. period before that. Right. And yeah. you're, you're, you're blessed. You went that direction, right? That's very blessed. The, yeah. next big, the next big pivotal moment was in 2013. So we're coming to the tail end of that, you know, that crisis. And, uh, the client that I had at the time, we had a deal. I had you know, the opportunity to be an investor in it. And we're sitting across the, the table from the bank and the bank retrades us on the day we're closing the loan. So who does everyone look to on the retrade? But of course the builder, you're gonna have to figure out how to save a million dollars on the project. Oh, and still deliver what it is you said you would deliver. And you know, the part, we as partners looked at each other and okay, we're in, let's go do it. Huh. And it launched us into, you know, the next growth cycle where Molly and I doubled down on senior living uh, as a, you know, a construction company. We doubled down as investors um, and really, you know, things really started to take off for us. So you, you go from uh, 14 coming out of the crisis to 18, we grew the business to about a hundred million and top line revenue. Uh, and I have to tell you, Gary, I was miserable. We weren't, we, we got out of our lane. We weren't doing what we were experts in. Oh. Those 20 to $40 million size projects where, you know, as the owner leader, I could get my arms around the five or six deals we had going on at any one time. 
to doing 60 to $80 million projects where I had to have, you know, executive leadership, senior leadership, project manager leadership, all on one project. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't now interfacing with partners. I was interfacing with investors who had representatives who had, and those representatives had, you know, some uh, punk on the job site, you know, thinking they know everything about everything, trying to run, you know, tell us how to build buildings. Um, and I was miserable. So we had one project go south on us in New Jersey. Uh, you know, fortunately, I was doing the deal with a fellow YPOer uh, as a JV partner. And, you know, I picked myself up by the bootstraps and I made the conscious decision that I would be very happy having a 50 to $60 million business where the majority of the deals I can co-invest in, I can have a relationship with the partners. And this was the, this was the biggest aha in my career was now I started to focus on, and this would have been right around 14 or 15. I had the idea, but it really started to sink in in 18 of a vertically integrated business where we could find this, you know, find the sites, buy the buildings, build the buildings, be an owner in building the building and be an owner in the care of the residents in those buildings, in those communities. It's like, you know, my mission was set. And then flash forward a couple of years, Chris Gay calls me. Chris is leaving Brookdale to go out on his own. He's got the West family uh, backing him, the West family fund backing him to start his own senior living business. And he says, hey, Chuck, I want you to be my development partner in the Midwest. Great, Chris, I'm in. Again, that aligned with my life by design. I'm working with a really good friend, someone I trust, someone whose core values align with mine. And uh, family, not only business, but family core values align with mine. And I'm in. Let's go. You know, let's see what we can do. Flash forward a couple more years. So this would be three years ago. Um, Chris says, phone call. Hey, Chuck, Mr. West has decided he wants to start to do, divest his holdings from the family fund. And he wants out of vitality. I'd love for you to be my partner. I think we closed that deal within four or five weeks, you know, getting Mr. West out so I could buy in. Um, it was a lot of fun, Gary. We, we had two communities in Texas. Um, and then Chris comes back from a breakfast. So Chris is in Brentwood. I'm in Chicago. And he says, Chuck, you're not going to believe this. I just met a guy blending Beatty. Blending has his own senior living business. They've got seven communities. They're really strong developers. They're really strong at raising equity and debt. I think we should partner with them. I said, Chris, you're nuts. We just, we just got our deal done three months ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, three months later, we merge. It's a, uh, a human capital merger, bringing the two companies together because the alignment was just perfect with the, the team they had and the team we had. So now we have nine properties. Flash forward three years, uh, we are 26 communities. I think we're just past 1,800 employees and uh, about 2x that in, in residents. Um, our goal is to get to somewhere between 40 and 50 communities uh, and to be still primarily focused in the southeast, uh, southeast but in the Midwest as well. Um, and we measure, uh, we measure success there 
at the team level, at the resident level, and the corporate level in that order. That's awesome. That's awesome. You think about you think about the momentum and, and how that works. I mean, if, you know, people think uh, you know a lot of this stuff happens overnight. I think there's you know a few different industries where you know technology or whatever you can create you know crazy opportunity and wealth overnight. But you look at all all the uh, wisdom that you had to you had to you know uh, you had to um, really create right or you that that was created in you. And gave you the ability to number one, under, you know, understand, you know, where your passion lies first. Second, you know, where your niches are, right? And you kind of do business for kind of anybody when you start, and just look at revenues and dollars and numbers. And that, and then as you grow with in wisdom more, you know, who are the people that you could partner with culturally, right? And 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 then that turns into you know this this hockey stick approach in many in many cases like yours, right? You kind of kind of growing, 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 all of a sudden you got these opportunities with great people and, and, and great, great processes and, you know, great, it's just great partnerships. And now yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, a hockey stick approach where you're really growing nicely because of the wisdom gain, the relationships gain, and then, and the niche knowledge gain of where you're, where you're, what's in your wheelhouse. Right. Right. So right. The, all the stuff you learned in, in the past, all kind of, all kind of adds up to, you know, where you've gotten today. And it's really cool to think, you know, that hey, you, yeah. you're, you're a builder and in building, you, you establish this passion for, you know, people and doing, doing work in a, in a place where, you know, you're, 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 you see, you know, families and individuals being nurtured, right? And then and you find your space there, which is, you know, which is cool. And then you say, okay, in that space, doesn't mean you still hit your niche, right? You're serving in the end customer, maybe you like, but maybe it's not quite the niche. And, that, and, and you've calibrated that now. And so how, it's so fun, right? And now, now for you, like as you're doing, now it's a matter of grooming leaders to lead with, with the help of yours and anybody else you can find that, that could be the, the, uh, the, the inspirational wisdom leaders that can continue to uh, mentor them, right? right. And, and how, how many people can you, you know, can you mentor to lead on your behalf and others, right? Now that's, that's, right. that's kind of your challenge going forward. And just right. like your dad and your mom, right? I mean, how fun is it to do that? And, and how much younger do you feel than your friends? Because you and I have friends our, our age that are retired, right? They, right? they may be enjoying life fishing or doing whatever. But man, my friends that are engaged in business in their 80s and 90s, I have friends in their 90s engaged in business in a big way still, right? How much fun is it to be around them yeah. Consid- yeah. Content- c- compared to our friends that are in their 50s or, or that, that are retired and they're fishing, golfing, whatever, right. And, and, you know, so either way, I, I, I know, I know you and your wisdom is going to be shared so many, so many times over in the future. It's going to be a, a, fun, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, you know, Gary, building on that hockey stick idea, I see my role now is uh, I love working with partners or entrepreneurs who are on the steep end of a hockey stick and helping them see they have two choices. They can, they can plane off and ride it. Or they can they can help me help another leader relaunch, right? So you yeah. relaunch that S curve off of the work you've already done. And when you're a mentor or you're leading leaders, I, I see my role as helping people figure out: Do you want to plane off, or do you want to continue to grow on this on this new hockey stick we can create together, or through new partnerships? And I love that. I just what? get so much energy from it. Yeah, it's kind of you get you, you discover what's their appetite, right? Right. And some people don't want to con- continue to climb in that hockey stick, right? And, and other other people, you know, want it, want that, or they don't feel like they're 
uh, they're challenged enough. Right. Um, that's that's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so nowadays your goal. Tell, tell us some more about your your future. What, what are your goals? And then where you know where are you going? You're you're like you're liking that uh, Tennessee market and that and that section of the country right now. Yeah, we really are. Um, so we sold the house in Illinois back in no, we closed in December, and we moved into the lake house uh, Leland Cottage in uh right away we've been we'll, we'll live here until we uh, get the house built in nashville and uh, we'll split our time between leland and nashville and my role is chairman of vitality and ceo at hall and you know my passion now is helping the it's legacy right it's about making sure that the business lives beyond me it lives beyond the chuck hall name and the next leader can create his or her own legacy. Um, and uh, so I can do that, you know, just like we're doing here. You know, I can do that remotely with Zoom meetings and, you know, having a home in down in Nashville and being closer to the Brentwood office. I can be there, you know, when I need to or want to. Um, and that's all part of, you know, this, this life by design concept I've been following, Gary. It's I'm now working really hard so that the businesses live long after, you know, my interest or my life is there. That's, that's cool. Okay. So tell me this, uh, Illinois compared to Tennessee, what, you know, what, why Tennessee, why not Illinois? Tell us a little bit about that as I'm, I'm stepping into this, uh, political world and uh, yeah. running for governor coming up. But, you know, I, I know a lot of our answers and your answers, but I don't know them all share with me, you know, why, why not more investment in Illinois and, and why putting your chips in a Tennessee basket? So it, I think it relates directly to my life story, Gary. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I invest in people and I invest in the places I think I'm going to get the best return for my family and for my partners and for our teammates. Um, and I see the Southeast, particularly Tennessee right now, is a great place to invest personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. um, I think leadership aligns, I think businesses align, and I think uh, the core values and the culture aligns really well. Um, I think from a, you know, I, uh, I'm pretty conservative fiscally and I would say middle of the road socially. I believe our taxes are to, are to be used for the good of the people. I think, you know, our, I think our leaders are there to, to benefit us as a country. And, you know, that's part of my investment strategy. I'm going to invest where the vision of those state leaders and our, you know, federal leaders are walking the talk. Yeah. To me, it's that simple. I mean, I agree the hundred percent. I mean, I I'm I'm disheartened by my friends like you, like leave, you know leaving Illinois of choosing you know greener pastures. And, and I'm not, but I get, but I but I admire I know who you are, admire who you are, and I understand why, right? And, you know, you weren't born in Illinois, so yeah, you got you've been here a long time, but you weren't born here. For me, right. I was born here. I've started all my businesses here, right? I'm I'm yeah. like you know I'm really disheartened at the direction of Illinois, and so I'm stepping up now because of that, right? Um, but again, I, I, am actually going to Tennessee, uh, you know, this weekend, I get, like I said, I'm going to re-record it, finalizing the recording of Dish Digger Seal song that I've got. It's kind of uh, going to be a lot of fun for the day, but, 
overall, I, I, I have a lot of ten, many, many friends that move there. I mean, I could, I could, I don't have to, you know, say, I don't have to get a hotel because I got, I got like, I mean, not that I, not that I want to sponge on people and, and, and sleep on people's, people's couches or guest rooms, but I probably got 20 friends now that are down there. And any, any t- all of them will say, "Hey, you're you better stay with me, right?" Well, you know, so I'm going to stay with a buddy of mine down there and his wife. And his wife, but boy, I tell you what, um, it makes me sad to think so many of my friends are going there, and 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 I, and I know why. It's a, it's a cool place. It's a, it's yeah. a booming place. The thing is, it's amazing that little Tennessee, you know, is kicking the crap out of big Illinois, the world class state and the world class city of Chicago is getting their ass kicked by little Nashville, Tennessee, right? But yeah. that's what happens in in this world when when a when a person, a society, uh, a state becomes complacent, right? And and rest on their, you know, rest on their laurels that, you know, we're big, big time Chicago and Illinois. And, you know, we, we can we can tax people as much as we want. They're not they're not going anywhere, right? Well we, as you as you know better than anybody, you know, you, you will go places that, that where you're where you're treated better. Um, and so either way, um, I respect what you're doing, and I and and uh, I like Tennessee also. Um, but I but I love. I, I want to tell your story of why, right? And many many of my friends, their story of why they're not in Illinois, or why they're moving out of Illinois, because unless people understand the the, the reason why fifty thousand jobs are leaving a year, we're just not going to stop the bleeding, right? Yeah. So we have to understand the, uh, the problem, the cause. Yeah, you know, I want to be clear, Gary. I am deeply invested currently in Illinois with the communities I'm a partner in. Yeah. And we're going to maintain an office, a a virtual office, and we'll eventually get back into a regular office. um, And we will have a regional office in Illinois. But I've always believed I want to invest a small amount in a lot of deals, not a large amount in one deal. So I'm following the the premises, you know, that that I've been successful with. I am spreading us into an area of the country that I believe has better growth opportunities for our business plan, our life by design than I currently see in, in Illinois right now. Yeah. Mind you, I could not imagine a better place to raise our children than Clarendon Hills, Illinois. Yeah. My favorite city in the world is Chicago. The arts, the culture, you know, everything that Chicago has to offer um, just, you know, the leadership, it, it hurts me that, some of the, the decisions they choose to make at the expense of people like you and I who risk everything every single day to try to make it better for our employees, to try to make it better for our employee, or our families. Um, and that, I, that's disheartening to me. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there's so much opportunity. We're, so within, within a few years, dude, you're going to be back. You're going to say, Rabine, I like what your t- you guys, that team is doing in Illinois. I'm, I'm coming back. You know, where do you recommend? I'm going to be able to recommend all different places around the city that you should that, that you should consider that the, the most aggressive, uh, welcoming, loving uh, mentality in government, right? I love and it. And again, I, I look at it as, hey, I love Illinois, and I've always felt that Illinois loved me up until about 2008, nine from 2008 on, right? We never got back to to who we've been as a competitive state, competitive taxation wise, competitive regulation wise. You know, we've never gotten back to that. We've seemed to double down on more taxes, more regulations, as the rest of the country has gotten. You know, much, much not the rest. You know, much of the rest of the country, like the Tennessees and the Floridas and the Texases and Arizonas, have gotten more aggressive in welcoming. You know, people that are job job creators instead of you know chasing them away. So, yeah. so yeah, 
I'm very passionate about that subject, as you probably can can imagine. So I, I I'm I'm listening to every every friend I have like you to say, you know, what you know, how do we get you back to to invest in Illinois bigger than ever? And that's what I'm going to continue to be thinking about. So you know, Gary, it's easy. Uh, Illinois, uh, where we raised the kids, family values, great people. You know, people with good core values people who get, you know, the, the notion that you and I have been talking about today. Um, you know, Molly and I have our hearts there for sure. And I, I believe it's still there in many, many people. It's going to take leadership, like, you know, people like yourself who are willing to sacrifice and step up and, and make hard decisions. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're willing to do that, Gary. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's gonna be a fun ride and, and, uh, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be easy um, because if it was, anybody could do it. Yeah, and true. I'll probably get beat up. And, uh, you know, I've been beat up before. So that, that's why I look the way I do. So for me, <laughs> for, for me, it's, it's, uh, it'll be easier than most, maybe, right? So yeah, yeah. be fine. So hey, uh, when, when you look at, uh, you, know, you know, mentoring your kids, what would you tell your kids? Um, and your kids are now in their 20s by Chase and Sarah, right? Yeah, Chase, Chase is 30. I uh, just got married um, New Year's Eve to Dr. Mackenzie Roddy Hall now. Um, Mackenzie is a fantastic daughter-in-law. We're really excited to have her in, in the family. Sarah's 25 and she's out in Denver. Um, Sarah, you know, Sarah got stuck in one of the middle of the riots walking her dog. And I'll never forget, she called in tears and she said, Dad, I'm done. I just, I cannot live downtown anymore. And she convinced a couple of her, her, her good friends and they moved out to Denver. And I'm really lucky, Gary. Both kids work for YPOers. Chase works for uh, Shore Capital. And Sarah's working for Medics. Um, wait, wait, where's Sarah working? Medics, Andrew Lamoris' company. Oh, Andrew. I love yeah. Andrew. I'm, yeah, I'm awesome. going to meet with him coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, and both kids have participated in the, the, the kids' programs through the years, especially Sarah. Sarah's really engaged in the YNG program. Um, and uh, Chase, is in, Chase and McKenzie live in Nashville now, so that's a big draw from me and Molly, right? Yeah. There. They're uh, newlyweds, and knock on wood, we'll see some grandkids someday. Uh, you know, so that's a good draw there, too. That's awesome. You know, we have two grandkids and one more on the way, um, and uh, what a blessing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to. Yeah, and so, okay, so, um, so what, what would you tell your kids as far as uh, – you know, as far as uh, their their lives going forward and your grandkids, what's a couple? What's one major message you would want them to know that that you want to make sure you pass on to them? Well, it, it goes back to the theme of our conversation today: is you are able, you are capable, you have the tools to write your own story. It's, it's, it's your choice. Um, and you know, I I believe Molly and I have prepare the kids for that. And I really feel like they're living that Gary in their own way right now. You know, Sarah making the decision to, you know, find somewhere that was less chaotic for her and convince her employer to let her transfer and work remotely, you know, and similarly with Chase. Chase, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Chase graduated DePaul down in Indiana, uh, Greencastle, Indiana with a, basically a journalism degree. Um, then went to work for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Uh, had a great run with them. He got promoted all the way up to being uh, director of strategic planning 
at the age of like 28. And he called one day and he said, you know, I really want to get involved with either private banking or private equity. One of, one of the two. And we used the, you know, I introduced him to some YPO friends to do some mentoring and, you know, some coaching and that sort of thing. And Gary, he got accepted to a couple of MBA schools. One was going to give him a full ride, a complete full ride for an MBA. And then he got an offer from Shore Capital. And I'm like, dude, you know, this job offer from Shore is what you would be working for if you went for your MBA. You got to go yeah. for that. That's right. That's right. And, you know, Chase is the kind of kid he's, he, we raised our kids to be willing to work for anything that they were you know, trying to achieve. Chase read every book he could get his hands on. He talked to every person he could, you know, that would listen to him or, you know, he could ask questions to, and he taught himself private equity. You know, now he's three plus years into the firm and he's doing really well. And, um, you know, I, I think he's got a great future. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, knowing what you want like that and make that move like that, it was awesome. And uh, what a fun place to be in private equities in the world that it is today. You know, I've got, so, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have a bunch of friends who are involved in that. To see kids, you know, young people like Chase to get involved and understand that that world is pretty cool. Yeah. And both kids are involved with, with healthcare in their own way. You know, Shore focuses on purchasing healthcare businesses and, and Sarah's, the medics, they're focused on uh, healthcare staffing and, you know, so in their own way, I, I still daydream about being in business with the kids some way, somehow, whether it's helping them start their own or, you know, whatever that could be. And, you know, that's a, that's another part of my story. I hope fulfills itself. Yeah. Well, if you ever, if you ever want, uh, you get, you know, you have your kids any or either kids reach out to mine and we got, I've got two kids that are in the, well, actually three now, my youngest two now, but Austin runs our company. He does an amazing job. He's a really good kid and, and he loves networking with other young people, talk about what he's doing. So if they, you know, if they aspire to do something like he's doing, that's great. Um, yeah. Janelle runs one of our companies. My 31 year old daughter runs one of our companies, our national company. She's going to be buying the majority of that from us. And she's going to become the majority partner in the coming year or so. It's going to be a woman owned business. She, you know, she, she's never, you know, she, her, her deal was really, um, you know, people tell her, you can just, you know, start a woman owned business. So you got your, you know, the, 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 all this natural business. And, and she said, no, I mean, not until I can really understand the business would I ever do that. And, and so she's you know, spent the last six, seven years in all different aspects of our, our industry serving facilities owners. And, uh, and now she's going to make this jump, but, but she's going to deliver value um, and, and she's going to be a real uh, majority partner that's buying it on her own. And, uh, and she'll do great. Right. But anyway, so, so hers, hers, uh, she's a different type of leader, but a really compassionate person and she'll do yeah. great. And my, my daughter's, my daughter, Jordan, is my chief of staff for my campaign coming up. Um, she's an attorney. She was an attorney for Ernst & Young uh, on the regulation, regulatory side, yeah. federal regulatory side of, of big corporations. And so she's, she's sharp as can be. She'll, she's awesome. And Jordan's going to do amazing stuff with me. And after, after you know, she's done helping me out for sure. She's got two kids, one on the way. So we got two grandkids and one on the way. And then yeah. Nick, 20-year-old, works in our businesses. He's, he's doing asphalt paving, concrete paving all the dirtiest jobs and the lowest paid jobs is what he's, he's been doing for the last few years. He's going to continue to do that for a while, but, but he's a really, he's the one, Nick is a kid, the, the kid we adopted from Russia. Um, oh, wow. Great, great, great kid. Uh, really, really blessed, blessed that this kid has uh, come as far as he has, but um, just, just a, he's going to be a, a gem for, for so many people in the future. Cause he's, his, his, the way he lives life with a big smile on his face and, and his work yeah. ethics is incredible. Um, so to the way, um, 
but but either way, you know, I think getting our kids, you know, with, with what you've done, you know, YNG and YPO is important, and, and getting these kids to meet with people that that they aspire to yeah. to be like, or or just just want to learn from, and and whether they're the same age or they're they're a couple generations away, but that's the blessing of YPO, and we you know we mention YPO a lot in this podcast because a lot of my friends that get on here are YPOers, but what a great organization, Young Presence organization is when you can you know, really, really mentor, mentor younger YPOers, learn, learn from older YPOers or YPOers younger than you even, right? And, yeah. and you can aspire to do things a little differently as you hear all the cool stories of how people built what they built, right? Yeah. A, a quick fun YPO story, Gary. So it's March last year. I had just joined the Healthcare Business Network, you know, because I'm now really getting deep into the senior living and the healthcare side of business. <coughs> and, uh, the pandemic hits and I leveraged YPO to help. I reached out to anyone in, you know, I, I went through the entire YPO directory who was involved in skilled nursing, assisted living, or, you know, healthcare geriatric focused. And I pulled together uh, a list of about 20 YPO members, turned that into a, uh, a every week for an hour and 15 minute forum. 14 of us got on the phone call top 1%, bottom 1%, and we created a parking lot. So we'd spend, you know, 14 healthcare-focused business owners would focus on what's working, what's not working as we wade into this pandemic. And then we'd come up with a theme of topics that we would parking lot and help each other solve the issues. It was absolutely amazing, an absolute, a godsend. I mean, just, you know, with everything that was getting thrown at all of us as business owners, as parents, you know, whatever category you want to put us in, to have a group of leaders now every week for an hour and 15 minutes talking each other through, you know, the, the war we were all in. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And uh, next week will we'll be our first full monthly forum type format where we'll do a, you know, a true three hour uh, meeting with all 14 of us should be pretty awesome. That's cool. You know, and, and Chuck, I talk about unfair advantages in life, right? We can create those, right? You can, like you said, you know, you, you can, you know, you can make your own story, but, but the unfair advantages are something we should pay attention to. And, you know, uh, sometimes we're blessed with great parents and, and uh, that's an unfair advantage. Sometimes we marry up like you did and I did, right? And that's a huge unfair advantage, right? Yeah. And you have a great, great partner that calls you out when you need to be called out, that love, gives you the love and respect that you'd like to get, you know, that you, you, you hope to get out of, out of your, your partner. And, then, and, 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 and YPO is another one of those, right. To be a part of YPO, if you take advantage of it, what an unfair advantage it is when you can, you know, you can call across the country, across the globe and get, get people to, to team up and solve problems. Right. I mean, it, I, I grew, when I was going to grow nationally, um, I, I was growing my national business. That's exactly. I built a network mm -hmm. of, of big, uh, the large commercial paving contractors that mm -hmm. I knew in YPO across the country, and we we formed a network, and that was that enabled me to grow nationally like I wouldn't have otherwise, right? Right. And so I just think that you know the other the, you know other and we we're making an unfair advantage here with you on our on the, on this year's CEO because you freaking gave us so many. I should say you you've given us so many nuggets of of, right. uh, of, of wisdom here that are awesome. And, and, and I believe that, you know, podcasts like this where we're sharing um, stories of, of, you know, success where people have to work their ass off to get, get to a point, point in their life where they, 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 they're leader, they're leaders in their space and, and, yeah. and sharing how they did that. So, I mean, your story is awesome. And again, your, your, relation, your friendship is an unfair advantage for me. And this is an unfair advantage to, to, to most of people listening to this podcast. And Chris, right, my buddy Chris, yeah. I want you to share with, with, with us 
and, and our audience, what, you know, what you picked up from this, the unfair advantages we picked up from, from having our, our buddy Chuck on today. Oh man. I I've just been chomping at the bit to, to share all the, all the great entrepreneurial wisdom that, that Chuck was so gracious to share with us. Um, all right. The first one um, in life, you can write your own story. I thought that was uh, super empowering and motivating. Um, the, the best way to, to be successful is to set the plan and be disciplined enough to work the plan. I think um, most people do one or the other. <laughs> yep. um, who but your best friends can help you see your blind spots? Uh, I, I really am going to start asking my friends more directly to be like, hey, here's my plan. What, what am I missing? What, what do you see in my life that, that uh, you know, glaring blind spots that, that Chuck even mentioned could, could ruin your life, you know, not even just your business. So I think that's super important. Um, a leader's role is to walk the talk. Um, I, I, I think we're all, you know, very disappointed when we see our leaders kind of like doing uh, something different than what they say. You know, a lot of, a lot of politicians come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then invest a small amount in a lot of deals. That, that seems to have uh, served you incredibly well, Chuck, kind of uh, di diversifying your investments. And uh, the last and most important one to me, um, and actually I'm going to try and sneak in a question uh, related to it as well. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I, I, that's that's going to be the title of this episode because that's, a, that's incredible. Um, and and if, if I can be so bold to sneak in a question, um, can you shed any light or advice on how to meet more quality friends to improve your future? Chuck. Uh, that's a quick question. So I, I firmly believe you get what you give, Chris. Um, and early on in the business, I knew I needed a forum type setting. At that time, I didn't know to define it as a forum. But I knew I'm not usually the smartest one in the room. We, Gary and I talked about that from, you know, from an education perspective. Um, but I knew that if I could find the right friends that are truly friends, that, that are willing to be transparent, they're willing to be vulnerable um, and be giving like, like I try to be, um, there's a lot to, you know, I love the golden, golden nugget, Gary. I, I think every relationship brings those moments of golden nuggets like the list you've just put together. And I think you have to, you have to be curious in life. I think you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zones and enter groups like YPO or, you know, it might be a church group. It might be a Bible study group. It might be, I mean, the list could go on and on. Um, I did triathlons for a while and I found some incredible friends when I was training for triathlons and, you know, just, um, but most importantly, I think it's about alignment of, of values, right? Is it, are you hanging out with people that share values that are at least similar to yours? And are you willing to be vulnerable enough to that group or that person that they really get to know you, that they really get to see where, you know, in my case, Chuck Hall shines 
and in other cases where Chuck, you're going to fail if you continue to do this. And that's, uh, that takes work. It takes, you know, it, it takes being vulnerable. It takes just like a marriage, you know, a great marriage. It's not easy. It takes work. Just like having great friends. It takes work. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I look at is, you know, you, you said uh, basically, I don't, you know, know how to focus on what you're not built for. Um, and I, I, I believe in that. I mean, I, I, I want to know, I, I want to really understand what I don't know. And there's, that, that's a huge world, right. For me. Yeah. And so, I think if you understand what you don't know and what you what what you're not built for, right? You can you can surround yourself with people that are stronger at those things, or you can bust your ass and and study those things, right? One or the other, um, and you might find out still that you're just not built built for that. Too. But, yeah. but I think that's an important important statement as well, right? Um, you know, but, I, but I think, uh, yeah, I think Chris, there the you know the the fact that you're asking these questions and your interest tells me there's a leader in you, right? So as a leader. I think we are responsible for helping people see, no, you didn't fail. You just figured out something you shouldn't do, probably do again, right? Or it's probably something you should probably just stay away from. Let's focusing, now that you know that, let's focus and focus you on some things that you think you could be good at or that you could really succeed at. I love it. Thank, thank you, Chuck. That, that, was, uh, that was awesome, man. So Chuck, uh, Really appreciate you being on our on our podcast, brother. Uh, this will be a this will be a popular one that uh, people are going to listen to for a long time. And uh, you're a blessing to anybody you're around, whether it's your family, your friends. Uh, I'm 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 a, I'm blessed. I'm your buddy, and and I hopefully even even though you're going to be a hillbilly Nashvilleian, right, or Tennessean, <laughs> wherever you call yourself, I still love you, and I'm and I'm still going to bug you to come back someday when we get this state straightened out. Okay. Thank you, sir. I am. I mean, uh, I mean, you personally and Molly living here, hanging out here, growing your businesses here. Okay, that's that, that's the future for for you guys. So, so, so when you think about that, uh, when you think about growing, you know, uh, when you think about uh, what was it, painting your own? Hold on. What what do we say again? Writing my um, own story. Yeah, right. When when you think about that old, your own story, just don't throw L and I out of it. When you write your own story, yeah, have have like something that says maybe Illinois too here, right? maybe a little more in Illinois. All right. Yeah. Well, Gary, you know, that's where we raise the kids. It'll always be home. <laughs> Gary, Chris, I am grateful for this opportunity and I'm, I'm humbled. It just is really a lot of fun and uh, I can't wait to see what the, uh, the outcome is. We're, we're grateful for your friendship, brother. And uh, thanks for telling give Molly a, a, a hug for me and, uh, and a kiss on the cheek. All right. No open yeah. mouth kiss. Cause it's for me. Just a kiss on the cheek. Don't slip the don't be doing that. This is for me. All right. A hug, <laughs> kiss on the cheek to Molly. All right. Yeah. Chris, how many, how many guys do you get to meet that can say, I love you, Gary. Right. And, and you can get it back. It's, it's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know what? Uh, you, you are the type of you, Hey, you, you're the type of people I want to be around the rest of my life, bud. So uh, that, uh, Nashville, Tennessee is not going to keep us apart. All right. No way. No way. Thanks, buddy. Love you, man. Love you too. Tell Molly you love Take care. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo.
get a dream.